Okay, so with all the advancements that we have made over the last well, 40 years or so, I'll say 40 years, with all, the, with all the technology that was supposed to make our lives simpler, right? That's what we were promised. Who remembers when the microwave came out? Right, come on, admit it, raise your hand. You're like, the microwave, now my life is going to be simpler. I have so much more time. If, if, that's what we were told, so why isn't, it, why isn't it simpler? Instead of slowing down, so much of what we have experienced in the last 30 or 40 years, honestly, or has really made things speed up. I mean, it's, it, life gets even more hectic. Life got even more crazy. What, what happened, I thought about it this week, what happened to all the time and all the margin that we were supposed to get from all this technology, right? I mean, once you had a phone that you could carry around, why would you think your life would get any more hectic, right? Now you got a phone, you don't have to, you know, you have a computer, all this kind of thing. And our lives have just gotten, it seems like our lives have gotten more hectic. So what I want to talk about this morning is finding margin by making our lives simpler. Trying to make our lives simpler because we need to find that margin. So let me right up front kind of give you my thought process here. Um, We are not going to be able to accomplish the things that are most important in this life. We're not going to be able to do it if we don't have margin in our lives. The reason we're doing this sermon series right now is because we're about to go into another season coming up, right? And that season is going to be filled with, you got to get involved in this, and you got to do that, and you got to sign up for this, and you got to sign up for that. And all of a sudden, we, we get to December, and we feel like our head's going to explode, and our, our body's going to give way because we're involved in so many things, and we're so overwhelmed. And I honestly want us to take a little bit of time here in the summer, right, where we're still in July, and say, let's think about these things. Let's really process through this. So that we don't just run into another season of our lives and get ourselves so caught up that we're in the same boat we are now that we're going to be, you know, in 2020 as we are now. So let's just take the time to think about it. So I want to talk about how can we find margin in our lives by making our lives a little bit simpler. I found an interesting, interesting definition of margin. It says that margin is a space that exists between, between us and our limits. Margin is a space that exists between us and our limits. When we reach the limits of our resources and our abilities, we're out of margin. And how often, guys, do we reach the limit of our resources and our abilities? And then we have no margin and we're overwhelmed. And culture just keeps going in in that direction, if you will. Contrary, like I said in the very beginning, you know, we all these technological advances and, and we're supposed to slow us down. Contrary to our expectations that we all had, honestly that we're going to be more leisurely now that we have all these advancements. Contrary to that, life has become more like Pac-Man. Eating up all your margin, right? Every time you turn around, chasing after you, eating up your margin, you're like, that's the way life is. You try to create a little bit of it, and something else comes in and fills that gap. It's changed. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that it was easier for our parents or our grandparents. I'm not trying to compare 
you know, they, but I'll tell you one thing about our, our grandparents, or maybe our parents too, but our grandparents, um, they, they understood simplicity better than we do. And they had more margin in their lives. They had more margin. They understood how to create that time for a little more relaxation. I have pictures of my mom when she was younger, my grandmother and grandfather in Brooklyn, New York, and you know, they get on the rooftops or whatever, and the parents would be would be sitting down all like on their they'd all be sitting outside at, from like after work until whatever at night, just kind of talking to each other, you know what I mean? Interacting, building relationships with one another. I mean, can you imagine that right now? Pulling out your, your lawn chair and putting it on your whatever in your neighborhood and sitting around with your neighbors. Sometimes we do that on special occasions, but this was going on every night. They, they had a better grip on simplicity. They had a better grip. They had more margin in their lives. And I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not saying that they didn't face challenges. I mean, they faced challenges beyond what sometimes we can even imagine, and especially World War II, right? The greatest generation, the things they had to come up against, the things they had to deal with. But I've realized, and you think sometimes, well, well, why are we whining? What are we complaining about? Every generation has its own set of challenges that they need to overcome, that they need to address, that they need to navigate. Let me share a few of ours. Um, just, just think about this for a second. We have right now 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, news coverage, right? And what does that do? It causes us stress for the most part, and it sucks up our time. We get the, the goal of, of, of CNN and Fox News, and, all, I'm not, and I'm not even criticizing, they're not bad. It's not a sinful, bad thing. But their goal is to pull you in and keep you constantly watching and up to date. What are they saying about Trump? And what is Trump saying about them? And oh, this person said this, and that person said that. And, all, and it just pulls you in. And if you don't watch out, the whole world's going to you know, collapse all at once all around you. If we don't do this in the next 10 years, life is going to be over as we know it. And it causes stress. And you want to keep watching it and look at the time. Computers, like I said before, computers, cell phones, um, gaming, right? Again, none of them are bad things. Social media keeps us constantly connected with each other. Now, we love each other, but honestly, None of us need to be constantly connected to everyone all the time, right? You need, a little, you need a little space, but that doesn't give you space. Now that you have a phone, it doesn't matter where you are. I remember sitting in Nigeria, and there was a rock formation, and it kind of looked like a hand, and it was really cool. And I climbed out on this rock, and it wasn't dangerous. I don't like to do, like, I, I'll do crazy wild, you know, things, but not, like, I don't want to fall off cliffs. So I was sitting out on this, on this rock, and I'm looking out, and you, as far as the I can see. It was really beautiful. And my phone rang. I'm in the middle of nowhere, honestly. And my phone rings. And I'm talking to someone. We are always in contact. That causes, honestly, that's causing stress. How many times does someone say to you, well, you know, why didn't you call me back? Well, I was, well, I called you, I texted you, I emailed you, I, you know what I mean? And the expectation is that you need to respond immediately. 
Because they, they called you, and, and if you don't call back, and it just causes stress. Debt has become a, basically a national epidemic. Terrorism, right? Terrorism is something we have to be concerned about all the time. That wasn't, honestly, when I was growing up, you worried about the Soviet Union. That was it. Are they going to bomb us? Are we going to bomb them? You know, bomb shelterish kind of things. That's what you worried about. You had one big monstrous bully or, you know, or country that you had to deal with. But now it's just every time you turn around, should I go on vacation here? Terrorism is something that our grandparents and our parents really didn't have. Medical insurance costs continue to skyrocket and cause, it just causes stress in people's lives. That wasn't, it wasn't like that 40 years ago. Traffic, I mean, there was always kind of traffic, but I don't know about you. It is hard to drive from one place to another more than a few hours and not be sitting dead stopped in traffic. And that, again, that causes some stress. Our families, our, our families are often fractured. We're stressed out about um, the... Um, the issues of the environment, for example. I mean, that's, there's a constant stress, both real and contrived. I mean, just for political gain, people make this up or do that or say this. Or I, I remember like 20, 15 years ago, I was watching something. They said that England, within the next eight or 10 years from now, will be underwater. There won't be England. England will be gone. The whole country will be gone. I'm like, oh man, what are they going to do? They're not gone, They're, but that's what was going to happen, right? And so we have these constant, constant threats. Our, our cultural fabric is being, is being torn. And there is, and, and anybody who is in there, say in their 50s or older, I think you're going to back me on this one. There is unprecedented political tension, and I'm going to use the word hatred, okay? Now, I remember when Reagan was in office and before that, you know, Nixon, even with Nixon, I mean, the intensity and the hatred that we have now in our country for the other side, those people, it, it's, it's overwhelming. And, and it gets to the point where you're like, okay, this needs to just calm, this needs to calm down. I could go, I could go on and on and on. Never before have we faced, if you will, um, problems like this, and certainly not all at the same time, okay? Not all at the same time. Things change so quickly. The speed of the change that we face is also unprecedented. It's not just that things change. Things always change. You're always going to have change. But the cultural changes that you see, the technological changes and the cultural changes that we have seen over the last 20 years is unprecedented. It's unreal. And, and for human beings, that causes a little bit of stress. I remember um, Sundays used to be a day of rest. I lived in Ocean Grove, New Jersey, okay? And they closed the town down. Ocean Grove was closed, hear me, on Sunday mornings. Every store, everything was closed. You couldn't go on the beach on Sundays, all right? You couldn't have your car in the town on Sundays, so you had to go drive your car out of the town, park it in the next town, and walk to get your car on Monday morning. Now, I don't think that was a good idea, all right? It was cool as a kid, though, because you could lay in the middle of the street and know you're not going to get run over because no one had a car there on Sunday morning and Sundays. 
Now things have completely changed. Now you would say that's a little, I think that's a little out there too, okay? But the boundaries between work and play and home and, and office are so confused. Many people don't have time to rest. They, they don't know when they can rest. They, don't, they can't let down because they go off and try to rest and there's their phone ringing and their computer. And then you have to look at it, right? You have to look at what your friend said about what you posted about whatever else. You just have to. And so you get pulled in and someone says something negative or something and you feel bad. And you, again, you get pulled in. It's that we, we have got to, people, we have got to take a deep breath and we've got to find margin. We have to make our lives simpler, simpler. I remember when I was in college, one of my favorite professors, Professor C, he, had, he said so many different little nuggets of things that I remember. One was that we were designed to rest and have margin in our lives. That's the way we were designed. And when you're designed a certain way and you don't fulfill that, you don't have that, things go wrong. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, things will go wrong. Understand, God designed you to rest. He designed you to have some margin in your life, to take a little time for you to reflect and spend, obviously, spend time with him. He also said, and I never forgot this, that Jesus went to sleep Jesus, every night, Jesus went to sleep. Sure, there were some nights he didn't go to sleep, but usually Jesus went to sleep. Even though there were people all around the world who needed help, who needed healing, who needed encouragement, who needed a story, whatever it was, okay, needed truth, Jesus chose to go to sleep. My, po my point in that is, there's, you, you can always find something, okay, to keep you busy, there's always, going to be, there's always going to be something that's going to keep you busy. It never ends. I can always find something. If you came to me any day of the week, six day, you know, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and I was online or something, I was uh, maybe texting someone at one in the morning, I could give you the greatest reason why I'm up to one or two in the morning texting people because they really need someone really. You can always, you can always fill your time with something that you would say is really, really important. And I'm just saying, Jesus, Jesus went to sleep. He went to sleep. Now, I'm also not saying that all of this is bad news, okay? It's all bad news. Medical breakthroughs, all right? Medi medical breakthroughs and advancement in technology have really ra raised our, if you will, our standard of living, right? I mean, honestly, never before in this, in this country right now, the way the job market is going, all now our debt is terrible, but I'm talking about the standard of living some of you remember the 1950s, 60s, 70s or whatever, okay? This is a different animal altogether. The way we live now than the way we lived in the 70s, completely different. I mean, guys, if you're younger, you, you, I'm not saying we lived in like, you know, the dark ages or something. We didn't really think about it, but now, oh, the fact that you think about this, you think about 1980, whatever, who would spend $1,000 every couple of years for a TV? Anybody? Anybody ever spend $1,000, $1,200 every three years for a TV? Anybody? In the 80s, 70s, and 80s, whatever? You do that, we do that now with our computers. 
pieces of junk. Two, three years later, what a piece of trash. I'm going to go buy a right, right, couple thousand bucks, right, for a good computer. Things have changed so much. Now, what I'm saying is the standard of living has increased, and that's not a bad thing. And, and life expectancy has completely changed as well, and that's not a bad thing either. More people have access to knowledge now. More people have access to jobs now. More people have access to healthcare now than, than ever in the history of the world. So those are good things. But the reality is we can talk about the good things, but there's still pain that comes with it as well. Social issues, okay, social issues have confused, okay, the spiritually immature and caused all kinds of problems in our lives, our families. Social issues have divided us in so many areas, families, our friendships, neighborhoods, our social unity, our church life. Even within the church, you can't get away from it. Even within the church, you have battles, social battles going on and lived out within the body of Christ. The church used to argue and split over theological issues. Well, you baptize? Well, I sprinkle. Woo, off they go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know? Now, churches don't really split over those things anymore. They split over social issues. Things that weren't, we would never even consider talking about, like say, well, I think this is right or I think that's wrong. These weren't debatable 20 years ago, and now there's, a, there's, there's this tension within the body of Christ over some of these social issues. So, so, a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people are emotionally drained, they're drained, they're angry, they're lonely, and they're really unfulfilled. They're bitter, and to be honest with you, they don't know what to do with their feelings. They don't, and honestly, they don't not, some most don't know how to handle the feelings they're going through. People are so stressed out, they don't know how to handle it. I mean, in colleges, I'm not, gonna, I'm not trying to be political here, and I'm not trying to pick on snowflake, people call snowflakes or whatever else, this kind of thing. But the reality is, you see in even universities where they have to bring in animals and, and, and uh, coloring books and, um, um, and, like, and like stuffed animals and things like that because 20-something-year-olds don't know how to deal with their emotions because someone didn't win the election or someone said something that hurt their feelings. And it's hard because I think the tension level is, guys, what I'm saying is the tension level is so high, it doesn't take much to push people over the edge. How's that? That's what we're talking about. It's just not taking much to push people over the edge. And for believers, these changes create a lack of community, a lack of time and energy to strengthen the most important relationships in our lives, which is our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. We don't have time to really invest in each other, to sit down with each other. I literally, and again, I don't, I'm not saying this to like pick on anyone. I'm just saying it because I've observed it. I have seen four, say, teenagers sitting on a bench and on their phones, and they're talking to each other. They're texting each other. Dude, you're right next to the person. <laughs> Turn around and look at them and say, hey, you want to, it's like, you want to go get pizza? Just say, you want to go get pizza? You know what I mean? It's like, it's like you know, it, 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 we, we, we're, we're detaching from each other. And I don't think that's a healthy thing. I think if you're sitting next to someone, talk to them, all right? 
If you want to text them, great. You know, that's a great tool to use. But talk to each other because we're losing that relationship. We're losing that connectedness. And all this combined, I'm laying this out for a reason. You're all depressed right now, aren't you? Right? You're all like, you know, oh, come on, give us something here. I am going to, okay? But all of this just kind of leads to greater stress in our lives. And I, and I looked up the definition of stress. A state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from an adverse or very demanding circumstance. And you think about this. Stress isn't the circumstance. It's the response to the circumstance. It's our response to the circumstance. It's not the circumstance itself. It's how we're responding to the circumstance. And I'm sorry, in the 21st century, the stress levels are off the charts. They're just off the charts because there's so much happening all at once. Our minds, I'm watching as a pastor, our minds, your minds are on overload and your bodies are paying the price. The stress, you're sick to your stomach, all kinds of physical issues are going on. Stress causes all kinds of physical ailments in your body. And I watch it with people. They're stressed out and they're physically responding. Our minds are on overload and our bodies are paying the price. We are, we are just given, we're just given way too many choices, if you will. Go into a supermarket in another country and look for bread. It's right there, a loaf of bread. Go into our supermarkets and the, line, the, the aisle for bread goes from this wall to that wall, completely lined up with different choices of bread. It's bread, okay? I mean, you know... Nut bread and blueberry bread. And it's like, you know, it, it's the choices seem to be overwhelming. Options, the options never seem to end. The details only seem to increase. No matter what we're using, there's just more details to using that particular thing. The pressures continue to mount and the stress just keeps going on. And I'm telling you, uh, most people, most people, it, it's the, it, the excess is too much for most people. And what happens, people can handle just so much before they reach a breaking point. If you're a counselor, you're seeing it. If you're in ministry, you're seeing it. If you're good friends with people, you're seeing it. A lot of people are at a breaking point. And here's the thing, what, I'm, what, I, what I see is, and this is why I'm having, this is why we're preaching this, I'm preaching this sermon, and that's why we're in this series. Because what's happening is people don't realize it's actually happening to them, that they have no margin until they get themselves in a crisis and they don't have the emotional or spiritual or physical energy to deal with it. They go through life, they're just on this, like you're right on the edge, right? And all it takes is just one little push and you're over the edge and you're not even really just kind of walking along the edge, you're walking along the edge. But people can't, when an when actual crisis comes into their life, they're not prepared because they have, their life is, the, the last thing you would say is my life is simple and there's no margin to deal with it. There's no margin to deal with it. So how then do we simplify our lives, okay, and create more margin? That's the question. How in this culture, with all I just described to you, how can we simplify our lives and create some margin? Let me give you a few thoughts. First, you need to protect your emotional energy level. You need to write this down. You need, you need to protect your emotional energy level. 
God has given you a certain amount of energy to do certain things. Your brain can only function, okay, at just a certain amount of energy to do certain tasks. Your physical body, you ever work out to the point where you just can't, you can't lift it anymore. You can't do that last one. That's just an example. That's where we are. We need to protect our emotional energy level because emotional margin is often the key to building margin in other areas of our lives. Emotional margin is the key to building other areas of margin in our lives. So we need to protect that. We really, really do. So how do we protect and restore, okay, if we need to, that emotional energy? How do we protect and restore it? Well, first, first off, admit that you have a finite amount. I don't care how old you are, you're at the, you are just, man, you're in your 20s and you got it all. You, your brain's functioning perfectly and your body's functioning perfectly. You still have to admit to yourself, you have a limited, you have a finite amount of that energy. As you get older, I'm not old, but I'm 57, it's getting older, right? And I realize, and I've come to the realization that I cannot do, I don't have the energy, the same energy I did when I was 27. Just don't. I can still go. I can still work hard. I, you know what I find? I can, I can do it in like spurts. You're like, you're like, you ever see like the big, you ever see the, the, the big like male elk against that young elk, right? And they come together and they always say, and the young elk comes up, he's going to challenge him for the herd or whatever. And if the, if the old elk can just pound him early, okay, and scare him and just, you know, go nutso and make a lot of snorting and carrying on and give, give him a good rant, then he wins. If it goes on for more than a couple minutes, he comes running off into the woods because the young guy can outlast him. We need to just come to the realization that we are limited, all of us, regardless, are, uh, there's a finite amount of, of that energy. Also, we need to admit when it's getting low. You need to admit to yourself when it's getting low, you need to acknowledge that, and then you need to fight. You need to fight for the time to restore it. You have to fight for the time to restore it. The problem is you got no margin. So when it's low, you're stuck because you've got to go right back into it. That's why I'm preaching these sermons because I'm trying to say right now before the fall comes and all the things that you have to sign up for come that you're saying, wait, time out. Do I have margin in my life? If something were to happen, if someone were to truly need me for something, if God were to need me for something, do I have the margin to go and do what God is calling me to do, to invest in that person or to take the time for this? Do I have the time to do it? If you say no, then you don't, you don't have enough margin in your life. See, and here's the thing. God has given us, so, how, so how, do we, how do we restore that margin? How do we keep that margin? How do we replenish that emotional energy? God has given us some principles in his word that can help us in that effort. So let me lay a few out for you. Number one, you restore emotional energy by building a stronger support network. You can, you can restore that emotional energy by building a stronger support network. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, it says this, two are better than one. Two are better than one because they have good return for their labor, okay? What are they? More hands make light work, right? That's what it says. That's the truth. Many hands make light work. If either of them falls down, one can help the other one up. So when you're going through it, you've got someone else there. You've got that support system. 
But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one warm alone, keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. The more you expand the people in your life who are investing in you and you're investing in, the more you can expand that, the greater energy you will have because you're spreading it out. You're working together. You're delegating. You're allowing those people to build and speak into your life. That's first. Second, it's also a biblical principle that serving other people can refill your emotional tank. Serving other people. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that when Pastor David gets up and then I get up and then Pastor Sean gets up and Pastor Andy gets up and then another staff person gets up, right? And we all ask you to do and serve in these areas. You, everybody goes, yeah, I'm gonna do that because that's gonna really fill my tank. No, it won't. What, the, what I'm saying here is the Bible saying, as you invest in people's lives, it energizes you. One person, one job. I'm not saying invest in everyone's life. I'm saying that serving, serving others, serving charges your engine. Now, serving too much, being involved in too many things will do the opposite. But even scientific, it's a scientific fact, they've done studies that when you invest in other people, it charges your emotional energy. It's a good thing. So you want to be, you want to you balance it, but you want to be involved in areas of service. You want to be involved in areas of service. So that's really, really, really important for us to do. So that's, that's, one, of those, that's one of those key things. Now, number two on this kind of on this list. Well, let me back up a little bit. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 reminds us of this. Give, it says, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So as you invest in other people, you then receive that emotional energy, that spiritual energy, that physical energy. Next, this is tough for some people. Forgiving other people and reconciling relationships restores emotional energy because the opposite drains you. When you're upset with someone, when you're in a relationship issue where it's going poorly and there's, there's conflict and you haven't restored that relationship completely or you have unforgiveness in your heart. Now, I know there are people who've done horrible things and I am not saying go run back and become friends with them. That's not what I'm saying. You can forgive people and still have boundaries in your life. And we're gonna talk about that in a second. You, for, you can forgive them and still have boundaries, but you need to forgive them. And I've said this before, I'm gonna keep saying it. When you don't forgive someone, it's like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Doesn't work. You're the one who becomes bitter. You're the one who, your, your time, your energy, your emotional energy, your physical energy, your spiritual energy is sucked up in your anger or your bitterness or whatever it is toward that person. You need to forgive. Even if you create a boundary around that person, you need to forgive them and walk away. Part of forgiveness is not just about the other person, it's about you. It's about freedom. It's about your freedom. So you want to forgive other people. In Colossians 3.13, it says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, 
Also, having an attitude of gratitude is another way to restore emotional energy. Just thinking of positive things you can be thankful for. When things aren't going really, really well, or even when things are going well, being thankful, saying out loud the things you're thankful for, thanking God for those things. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. You ever been around thankful people? They have a different demeanor. They have more energy. They, they're, they're emotional, their emotional state is completely different. You ever been around people walking around all the time going, man, this person, blah, 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 blah. You can't get into conversation with them without it turning into like, you want to almost take a shower after you're done talking to them. I'm being serious. You're like, man, I'm, I feel like I'm in muck. You're right? Because it's like, this person, blah, 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 blah. And then you get sucked into it. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, and all of a sudden you're talking about them and you walk away going, you know what I mean? You don't feel good. It drains you. Being thankful, saying positive things, being encouraging, those are the kind of things that, 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 that restore that emotional energy. Okay, so those are the kind of, now I'm going to move on to number two, our points. The second way that you can help simplify your lives is to understand that we were designed, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this at all. We were designed, okay, to rest. We were designed by God to get good rest. Guys, you need time, and you shouldn't feel guilty about it. You need time to rest. You need time to do the things in your life, all right, that are important to you. And I'm not, I'm not even trying to be funny here. Fishing is important to me for a few reasons. Number one, because my son Josh is 15 years old. And I'm looking at his life and I'm saying in three years, he's going to be 18 years old and going off to college or starting a job or whatever he's going to do. And it's going to be different. It's just going to be different. And I want to spend good, solid time with him. He likes to fish. He likes to hunt. I like to fish. I like to watch him hunt. You know what I mean? Um, I just, (laughs) I feel bad. Like, oh, Bambi's mom, whatever. Um, So, um, (laughs) but we like to go fishing. So that's important to me. That's a priority. That is a priority to me. Doing things, and I'll tell you why else it's a priority to me. Because there's something, and I know why, when I was growing up, there were certain things that I, I could do that didn't cost me anything. I had a fishing pole, and I could go dig up worms, or I could get bread, and I could go down to the reservoir, and I could sit there for 12, 15 hours by myself relaxing and fishing. And there's something, and, and, and you, you apply this to something that matters to you. And some of you won't understand this. Fish or pe- people who fish will. There's something about putting your, your rod on a stick, right? And it's like the, rod, the, the line goes down. It's all curled up. And, you're, and you're, you're fishing for catfish, say. And all of a sudden, the line starts to go straight and off to the left a little bit. And I'm telling you, catfish, they, they're not like bass or whatever. Bass will grab it. You know you got it right away. A catfish, like, swallows it and then moseys off and your line starts to go. And you know, oh, the bait I had on there was so big that no little catfish is biting it, okay? It's got to be something big. And I get these happy endorphins released in my body. You know what I'm saying? It's like euphoric. I'm like, yes, you know? And there's nothing like letting it go and then, and then oh, I pulled it out. Darn it, you know what I mean? And, it go, and I let it sit, let it sit. Line goes straight again. I Hear me out. I need that time. I need it, okay, to restore. I'm not going to feel guilty 
about taking the time to do that. You have to put aside this cultural guilt that's laid on us. If you're not doing something, if you're not producing something, if you're not accomplishing, I am accomplishing something. I'm catching a big fat catfish. I'm accomplishing something awesome. I put it on Facebook. Do you guys like my catfish pictures? See, you like them. You know what I'm saying? I'll tell you what else. I'm accomplishing time with my son, hanging out with my son, doing something with him. I like taking my grandkids. We like hanging out, going to their things. Those are important. We are accomplishing something. We are accomplishing the most important thing, building relationships, hanging out, spending time. Do not, if one person said in the first service, that's me in the barn. I go into the barn, the horses, whatever. Someone else, they raise rabbits and someone else does. They just love it when they're, this is their thing. They get to go out their boat and they go water skiing or someone else scuba diving was one of the things when I get underwater I just look and it's so beautiful and I just experience God you you need to do those things you need the margin the simplicity of your life to go and do those things because they are very important and you should not feel guilty sitting around doing them do them and don't feel guilty about it don't get caught up in the culture. You should be accomplishing something. I am accomplishing something. Nothing. I left work at 3.15 last Thursday, went down to, I'm not going to, someone asked me, where do you go fishing? Man, I said, all right, I ought to tell you. You go, you, you mosey down the Nunya River, right? And you get into, and then you, you reach Nunya Lake. And that's where it is, Nunya business. So, um, <laughs> right? You need, oh guys, we need those things. We need, and we shouldn't feel guilty about accomplishing them, and we need, and you need the margin to do them. You need the margin to be able to say, I can leave work, I can leave work. Okay, after getting there at six, I can leave at three, and I can go down there, and I can throw a line in the water for a couple hours and just take a deep breath. And I've accomplished something. Enjoying myself. By myself. We need to do that. We need to rest. You know what's amazing? Sleep disorders are plaguing, I was reading an article, 50 million people in the U.S. have sleeping disorders. Sleep deprivation has become one of the most pervasive problems that we face in our culture. We can't rest, and then we can't sleep. We can't rest because go, 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 and then we can't sleep because we're thinking about all the things we've got to go and do. We need to be able to stop we need to be able to reflect on the Lord. And if you can't sleep, what you need to do is you need to take the time, okay? And you need to pray about the things you're stressed about before you go to bed. You need to pray about those things, give them over to the Lord. And when you wake up at three o'clock, your mind's not gonna race to them because you've already dealt with them. You've already prayed about it. You've already given them over to the Lord. Do not be anxious about any, anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Do that before you go to sleep and then go to sleep because you've given them, you don't be anxious about them, don't be stressed about them, anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present those requests to God. God, they're in your hands, let me sleep. That's important. Some of you need to get more sleep. Let me say that again. You need to sleep more. Why? Because you can make clearer and more thoughtful decisions when you have enough sleep. 
And when you can't, you can't make clear decisions or thoughtful decisions, you make wrong decisions, which causes more stress in your life, which causes you to have less margin and a less simple life. And so you need to get enough sleep. Number three, we need to, we, we need to be a part, God, really, God needs to be a part of every decision that we make. Last week, Pastor Sean got up and he was talking about what is the most important thing? What is the number one most important thing in your life? And he read Matthew 22. 34, 35 through 40, right? And basically, I'll just sum it up. It says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what it is. That is the most important thing. We need to make God a part of every decision we make in our lives, which means before you get involved in any activity coming up, before you say yes to anything anyone asks you to do, you need to stop and you need to pray. God, should I get involved in this? What is the criteria for your involvement? Honestly, and you say, well, how does that fit? It fits. Your goal in life is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, to be more like Jesus. That's the goal of your life. And you can do that in every area of your life, at work, at school, at home. You can do it on the field. You can do it on the court. You can do it everywhere because you bring Christ into every area of your life. So the question you have to ask yourself when you're praying is, Lord, does this help me conform to the image of your son, Jesus Christ? And, and in, the, in what I'm about to do, can I love you with all my heart? my soul, my mind, my strength. Can I do that? Am I doing that? Am I engaging in something that matters to you most? You can do all kinds of things. They're all good. They're all good. The question is, should you be doing them? So you ask yourself, okay, first you say, you know, I'm going to pray about this. And then you ask this question, why am I doing this? Why am it, is that accomplishing what I just described? Conforming to the image of Christ, putting God and people first. If, if you ask yourself the question, why am I saying yes to this, and you really can't answer the question, well, don't do it. Some of you have got to learn to say no, okay? So let's say it together. One, two, three. No. Say it again. One, two, three. No. You've got to learn to say no. If you don't say no, if you say yes to everything, no more margin. No simplicity in your life whatsoever. Finally, and this is a hard one. This is all hard, but this is a hard one. You need to establish appropriate boundaries in your life for people who consume your time, okay? Consume your time by causing chaos and stress in your life. There are people, every single one of your lives, just about, there are people in your lives that you need to put boundaries around because they are causing so much stress in your life. There are people in your life, hear me, hear what I'm saying. There are people in your life that you need to love, you need to love, but you also need to limit. You need to love them, but you, you need to limit them. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says this, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. These people are margin robbers, okay? They rob you of margin. How do they do that? By making ridiculously poor choices in their life, but you're connected to them. So every time they make a ridiculously poor choice, you're pulled into the consequences, you're pulled into the drama, you're pulled into the stress, you're pulled in. You can love them, but you need to put boundaries around them. You can love them, but you need to limit your, your interaction with them. You need to limit your time with them. 
Because if you don't, even if you make the right choices, they're not making the right choices. And so your life becomes so, so stressful. So many of us need to, to really make some thoughtful and hard choices to create margin. And you know what? You need to walk out of here today and you, this cannot be a sermon where you say, oh, that was interesting. Maybe I'll do that someday. No, we're doing it. We want to do it now, this month, okay? We want to do it now. Sit down and figure out how you can create margin in your life. You need to, it's going to be hard, thoughtfully hard. It's going to be hard to say no. It's going to be hard to take back. Well, I said I would do this, but now, you know, I'll give you a little bit, but you need to find someone to take my place. Whatever it is, you need to pull yourself back. We need to cut out time wasters because the most valuable use of our time is investing in God and it's investing in others. And if we're not, I'm going to tell you right now, 98.7% of the people who have no margin, okay, are not spending good time with God. It's not like, well, I spend so much time with God, I have no margin in my life. I've never heard anyone say that in my entire life. You are so busy with things that are time wasters or things that really don't matter in the grand scheme of, of eternity. You're so caught up with that. You don't have time to invest in other people and you don't have time to invest in God. You don't have time. We need to make the time to do that. And we need to do that by bringing simplicity to our lives. Margin has, has so much to offer, but it's so hard to create in our lives. It has so much to offer, but it's so hard to create it. It takes, it takes such effort. I know this, but we got to do it. It takes such effort to cut out the non-essentials from our lives so that we can focus our, our, our time, our energy, all of it, our minds. We can focus on the core elements. I think every single person in this room is attracted to the idea of simplicity in their lives. I think every person here would say, Man, the idea of sitting outside in New York and Brooklyn, whatever, on those cool nights on a chair and talking to my friends and just relaxing, that really, or just going fishing or think about your favorite, close your eyes with me. We'll close off here. Close your eyes. Think about the, the thing you just love to do. Love to do. Simplicity and margin allows you more time to do those things and makes you a stronger, healthier human being. Stronger, healthier human beings can do more for God, can invest more time in God and more time in the things that are important to God, which is other people. So my friends, we need to be able to cut those things out of our lives and non-essentials and focus on the essential elements of our lives. And I know that simplicity is attractive to every single one. I know it's attractive to all of you, but here's the reality. It is really hard to accomplish. It is really hard to achieve. God is not asking you to escape the modern world. He's asking you to transcend it. He's not asking you to escape it, run away from it. He's asking you to transcend it. Simplicity will help bring peace and joy and contentment to our hectic lives. Now, in closing, if we are going to pull off this, what we're talking about, then we need to address some stumbling blocks that are in the way of accomplishing these godly principles that I just laid out. 
So we're going to have to address some stumbling blocks, and we'll do that next week. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for this time we can spend together. God, thanks for just for who you are. And God, I pray for every single person here this morning. I know what I'm asking is extremely difficult, but I know that you tell us to be still and know that you are God. I know that you tell us to wait on you. I know you tell us to listen to your voice. I know you want to speak to us. You want to show us your direction for our lives. You want to show us our purpose. You want to, do, you want to teach us lessons that we, we're not learning. But you can't do any of those things because we're so busy we can't hear you. God, help us. Help us to slow it down, to find the margin, to create simplicity in our lives so that we can go fishing so that we can go into the barn and be with the horses, so that we can, that we can go scuba diving, so that we can, we can do those things that we just love to do and charge our, just charge up our emotional energy. And God, I pray with all of my heart, when we find the time to do it, I pray that when Satan comes with all the guilt feelings about just sitting and doing nothing, that we realize we're doing something. Nothing, and that's good. We're just, we're just pouring into the things you've created us to do. So Father, we love you. We praise you. Pray that you would give us the strength. Pray that you give us the wisdom. Pray that you give us the courage to find that margin and that simplicity for our lives so that we can serve you better and impact this world for your kingdom. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Have a great week. Love you guys.